Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Since we're about to piss off everybody at 345 Park Avenue, maybe we can soften them up with photos of chickens, new chickens, the Sims Family Farm expanding. Yep. I think I need to buy you a banjo. I see the little chickens there. Tucked under is that daffodil? That's no, not daffodil. That's not daffodil. This is one of the uh this is one of our babies from last summer, and I'm not even it's either May or June. I'm not sure which one it is, Mike, but yeah, uh, yeah, two babies, right, Mike? I don't know if I ever told you this too. Here's the interesting thing about the two new babies. You can see they're cute as hell. But chickens are not used to laying on their eggs, right? Have you are you aware of that, right? Because they've gone so long with everybody just taking the egg, taking the egg, taking the egg that they actually don't even it's not always naturally in them to lay on the egg to hatch their babies, right? So this one became broody out of nowhere. Broody's the word of like now they want to sit up and, and, and like we were like, where's our other chicken? And she was laying on it. She laid on those damn eggs for three weeks straight. And there they are. And uh, they're good, good additions to the family. Well, it looks great. And it makes me kind of want to get more animals than my dog, but not enough to actually do it. So we pivot <laughs> from... The chicken that lays the chicken-filled egg to the goose that lays the golden egg, and we always are on the lookout for threats to that goose, and the latest threat finally came to fruition. We knew this was coming. What Roger wants, Roger gets, and Roger wants Thursday night flexing. He wants the opportunity to take a bad game that is on the schedule for Amazon and move it and swap it out with a game that will do better. This is all about boosting the streaming numbers, and look, we're part of it now with two exclusive Peacock streaming games. I understand the impetus, the motivation, the desire to drive up those streaming numbers as much as possible, to force habits to change from three-letter TV networks to the streaming platforms. I get it. I get it. But, but you've already got one of the most influential owners in the sport on record saying it's abusive to fans because it is abusive to fans. It is abusive to those who make plans to travel on Thursday or Sunday. And see, that's 
it's funny to see how this plays out because obviously it was voted through yesterday. 24 yes, 8 against. Exactly the number they needed to make it happen. We'll talk more about the dynamics yeah, of the like no to, votes yeah. and the yes votes coming right. up. But but what I see from the people who are on the payroll already, and I know they get mad when I say it, but it doesn't make it any less true. Plenty of reporters out there on the payroll or reporters out there who would like to be on the payroll someday, possibly, if my current job dries up and maybe I need to keep that door open, pushing this bullcrap that, well, they won't use it very often. They won't use it very often. Don't worry. They won't use it very often. It doesn't matter because everybody now who sets one of these trips for weeks 13 to 17 has to worry about the possibility that it's all going to be for naught. And it doesn't matter that it's not going to happen very often. It's on your radar screen. Just like if you plan a vacation to a place that could get hit by a hurricane during hurricane season. That's in your brain. Hey, where's the hurricane going to come from? Do I have to completely change my my plans on the fly? So now, for anyone who's inclined to take their family to Las Vegas or anywhere as a destination during the holidays for a game, you have to factor in the possibility, slim as it may be, you're going to have to completely scrap it, sell the tickets, get refunds from the airline if they're even available. You get some voucher that's good for maybe a year, and then it goes away. You could lose that money. you got to cancel your reservations. you got to do all sorts of stuff. You've got time off that you've arranged that you have to rearrange. I heard from somebody yesterday, too, who said, look, it's just a matter of me going to a game at my usual stadium, a night game. I need to take the next day off because I have to be at work so early. I can't go to work that early after getting home that late. So I take a day off so I can go to that game and I set it up in advance. And then all of a sudden they move the game to it and then it screws everything up. And I've taken a day off. I didn't need to take off. So there's all sorts of inconveniences, Chris, that they just don't, they just don't care. They don't care. If they do care, they don't care enough to abandon this desire to have the ability to break glass in event of emergency and prop up the streaming audience for a Thursday night game. No, I I, I know. You're right. It's, it's, it's a tough one. It definitely screws over the fans that want to be in, in attendance. I mean, yeah, what, what's I know it could be 28 days of notice, whatever, but I, I mean – the flighting, the the flight industry is is not very easy right now, and it's yeah, I mean I don't know to make new new flight. What's that going to cost fans? The hotel arrangements, like you talked about, all that it it does seem harsh on the the fan who wants to be a part of the in in person experience. And then of course you know there's the player safety element that again also just gets thrown out the side here. This is no longer a conversation, and this is why they have continually told us oh there's no injuries on thursday night there's no because they this is what this is always on their radar right i think players can look at it and go oh wait these eight owners who voted against it they actually care about players you know that's something i'd say to all the nflpa look at those eight teams that voted against it because i think you got there eight owners that you know for sure that actually like the players and the fans you know i know most of them do or whatever but at least their actions are speaking loudly um but here's the other thing i'll throw out mike like, it's messed up they're doing that to the people with the infant experience. But I also want to go for, like, you and me. I want to be like, thank God. I mean, th- that was abusive having to watch the Colts and the Broncos last year, right? I don't want any games like that either. So it does make, you know, that element of the season and that Thursday night package better for sure. But, yeah, it seems a little bit numb to the everyday go-to-the-ballpark type of fan. Yeah, look, 
I understand we're going to get potentially better games, although there's no guarantee you're going to get a better game, especially because to get it through, they compromised on 28 days notice, yeah. 15 days notice. So th- this to me, this to me is only going to be used to avoid 62 to 7. Do you remember what game had a final score of 62 to 7 oh, oh, 60, on NBC oh, in 2011? Wow. 2000. Saints, Colts. Oh, wow. Saints, yeah. Colts. Right. No Peyton Manning. Yep, that's That was right. the year that it was Curtis Painter or somebody like that. And it was Saints, Colts. It was Drew Brees and Peyton Manning. Oh, no, Peyton Manning's not playing. And that Sunday night game was a total disaster. And it happened before the normal flexing window. And it's That's one of the right. reasons why they moved the flexing window from yeah. week 11 back to week five or six in the event of emergency. This is, I believe, and let's look, let's let's just say, for instance, for instance, you've got week 14, Patriots at Steelers for Thursday night football. Let's say, for instance, Kenny Pickett has a season-ending injury. And I hate to even say that because then, oh, you jinxed him if he has one. But, you know, it's Mason Rudolph or Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. That's the kind of thing that could get them to start looking to put something else there. Any of those light games. Saints-Rams. If the Rams are a complete and total disaster again this year, that that's one that, that could move. But it's going to happen 28 days in advance. So it's going to be that's gonna something where yeah, yeah. you know it's a really bad game and you know, or at least you reasonably believe, that you can pick a game to put that's there. better. That regardless of what happens over the next four weeks, yeah. it's not going to be any worse. Yeah, it's only going right. to be better. That's right. At 28 days, though, I mean, that that is, you know, that's different than, you know, the normal thing, like you said, where the 15 days or whatever it is, two weeks. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, hey, we, we don't like this game, right? Oh, okay, great. We picked this game, even though it's not the best, but it's still pretty good. And then, like, what, the, the two of those teams go on a four-game losing streak, right? It, it, it won't look that good. But, exactly. You know, that, that's, that's the risk they take there. But I guess that's what they had to do to slam this through or get this done in the, uh, in the voting circle there. And it's a one-year thing unless they don't use it at all this year. Then it kicks over to 2024 where they can do it that year. At some point, though, they'll have to vote again, and they'll have to be 24. It's not a permanent rule change. See, once you make a permanent rule change and you get 24 behind that, it takes 24 to kill it. As long as it's temporary, it always takes 24 to keep it going. So there's hope maybe that the next time around, one of the teams that voted yes will decide well, vote. no. And as Pete Demolitis pointed out, we need to be clear. This isn't just the inconvenience to the people who are expecting to go to the Thursday game. You could be any fan. This is where it's a problem. This is where that risk is there for anyone that sets up a trip. You set up a trip for a Sunday game. There's a chance that game's going to get sucked to Thursday night. And there's also a chance it's going to get sucked to Monday night. So the whole thing sucks for fans. And I like that Mark Davis was willing to come out and say it. Last time around, we had John Mara call it abusive to fans. Right. And he has reiterated his position, and I credit him for not caving. Mark Davis said, just make the schedule and play it. If you have a Raiders-Chargers game in Las Vegas scheduled for a Thursday, and all of the fans driving from L.A., the Raiders fans and all the Chargers fans buy their tickets and book their hotels, how in the hell do you schedule it and now say, sorry, it's on a Sunday? How in the hell do you do that? Everybody should get the respect. That's the part I'm strong on. Bravo, Mark Davis. Let it go, Mark. Stick it to him. Tell him like it is. They're so obsessed with hitting Goodell's billion, whatever it is, $27 in revenue. He's got this number that he wants to hit. He's so freaking obsessed with hitting it 
that the human reality just kind of disappears. And he needs people inside the building. It's one thing for us to say it because he can just ignore us. He can't ignore the people who are the members of Club Oligarch saying this is abusive, saying, how in the hell are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And hopefully they'll keep doing it. And some of those people who voted yes, Chris, maybe next time around, they'll slide over to no. Yeah, I, I got great respect for, for Mark Davis. And, you know, like his father, he ain't afraid to speak up against the NFL and what's right or wrong or whatever there. I, got, I love that about him. I do. And I think he's a guy that, you know, because of the way he grew up and all that, he is pr- player and fan friendly, you know, and, and, you know, he is aware of that. So uh, good for him for speaking out. And then, you know, we talk about the fans and do all that. But like the other aspect, too, is how about the freaking people who are doing this? How about how about you're the you're on one of these teams, right? Let's bring up the schedule. And OK, hey, wait, you know, hey, it, it's week 12, honey. We play on a Thursday. You know, I know it's your grandma's birthday that Saturday or whatever. We could schedule something and leave town here. Or we can do something as a family. Whatever. that. Oh, wait, now we're not playing and it's a game on Sunday. Sorry, scrap the deal, honey. Sorry, it's a few weeks out. That's. I mean, it's it's a little messed up to the players and coaches that way, too, who are uh, have no life and no days off, really, from August till the season ends. Uh, I don't love that aspect either. So that that's one thing that jumped out to me, Mike. And then here's the last thing at least I'll throw out on this subject. Mike, what what they give the Saints and the Commanders to switch? What would they do? What they give those well, two well, teams? I I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Now, this is very interesting because and I haven't completely nailed this down yet. Let me start with the Commanders. Yeah. I was under the clear impression the Commanders were against this last time around. Now, they didn't do a formal vote, and I'm not sure that the reporting on who was for or against was completely accurate, but it's my clear understanding that the commanders were against it in March. Now they're for it. I got comment from PR with the commanders today. They were for it in March. I'm not so sure they were. And I know that there were people in the organization that were strongly opposed to it. So I don't know what their position was back in March. And and now and wouldn't it make sense to say, oh no, we weren't again. Yeah, no, of course. no, no. Of course. Nothing to see here. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Please don't explore the possibility that we did this as a way to ensure that the Josh Harris deal goes through, or maybe Jason Wright, who's there casting the votes on behalf of the team because the Snyders are gone. Jason Wright, you know, thinking about his position and it would help to have people at the league office on my side and they seem to really want this. So, yeah, maybe we should just go along to get along here. Sure. That's hovering over this on the commander's side. Yeah. The other thing about the vote that that I thought was significant, a lot of times what you'll see when the NFL does something like this, once they know a measure is going to prevail, they go back and vote again and you get 32 nothing or 31-1 or oh, something right, like that that right. looks better. Right. This one, no, 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 no. We all know <laughs> it's on the edge of a knife. And we all know the next time around, this thing may go splat. And all it takes is one of the teams that said yes to change their mind and say no. Yeah, I, I guess you're, you're it's too delicate to have that re-vote there. The Saints, maybe they change back. But uh, either way, we'll see how this goes, uh, you know. Again, I don't think it's going to be a huge deal, but it does seem a little insensitive to the fans going to the game. That's for sure. And, you know, I know the NFL makes a ton more money 
on TV and streaming and all of that. I get that's where the big money maker is, but you know there is always a lot of talk about hey in fan you know in 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 what in person fan experience in stadium yeah in, in stadium, stadium that and of course in that stadium. adds to how awesome it is on TV. When the fans are having an awesome time in the stadium, you can hear that through the TV and go, man, it's electric in there. And uh, that's where the NFL has got to be a little careful. Hey, hey, but you know what? You know what? If you, got, if you can't make it, sorry you can't make it, here's our NFL-owned and operated platform for you to scalp your tickets, and we'll take a little taste of the action, which it really is amazing. We talk so much about how gambling is now part and parcel of how the NFL makes money. Scalping is part and parcel of how the NFL makes money. And it just kind of happened naturally. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember going to a game and you see these these shadowy figures outside the stadium and it was clear they're up to something and they're right. trying to sell you tickets and it's all hush-hush because they don't want to get arrested because it's illegal. Now, what the hell? You buy a ticket? You can resell it for well, whatever the, you yeah. want. The owners, the, the owners were scalping take tickets. A piece. Right. The owners were scalping tickets. I mean, they were doing that. That's, that's, we know that. You know that. I know that. They were. They were all scalping tickets. It's part of the reason the damn thing got changed because they were like, hey, we'd like to continue to break the rules and the law. So can you change the law so we don't have to break anything? I mean, that's kind of what happened. Well, I don't know that for a fact. So I'm not ready to join you in that. Gray area of defamation. I, I, I know but, some of that. I know some of that. I've I've heard I've heard some things. Yeah. I've heard some things, and we all know that in the past there were irregularities with Super Bowl tickets. Mike Tice, the former Vikings coach, right. found that out a lot the of hard stuff way. There. Depending upon who you talk to, yeah. there are stories that can be told about a nice little tidy profit on the side that people who control Super Bowl tickets might or might not have made. Over the years, uh, I've heard stories about that from time to time, and they, they try to be very tight about it now and very buttoned up. But still, the bottom line is anytime you do use the NFL's platforms to buy and sell tickets, they're, they're yeah. involved. Yeah. And so, yeah, hey, you got to cancel your trip. Uh, we'll make a little money off of that transaction as you move the tickets from one person to another. Also, yesterday, with the uh, league meeting in Minneapolis, Super Bowl 60, which will be on NBC and Peacock, cool. I assume, awarded to the San Francisco Bay Area, the stadium in Santa Clara. Last time around, Super Bowl 50, all the festivities were in San Francisco. It's a long way from San Francisco to Santa Clara, especially in traffic. So we'll be out there for a whole week worrying about earthquakes. That's what I did the whole time. I was out there the you're last such a, time. Like, you're such a neurotic. Like, you're crazy. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. No, I, I don't worry about earthquakes here. Because this isn't a place where earthquakes happen. I, when I'm in a place where the earthquakes are, yeah. that's when I worry about the earthquake. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. I know. But you're, you're just funny how you even think about that stuff. Uh, hey, it, it, it is a long drive. I wonder where we'll be stationed. You know, I, I, I enjoyed the last Super Bowl there, Super Bowl 50. The day of the game, yeah, it's a little bit of a trek to go there. Right. I, I, I've stayed downtown San Francisco and then we did the whole like, you know, whatever train trolley thing into the stadium, which was very easy and convenient. I mean, they made it as easy as it could be, but uh, it's an awesome stadium. I love the 49ers stadium. I think it's going to be great for Super Bowl 60. I'm excited that we got it on NBC. I remember very clearly that week in San Francisco because it's the only Super Bowl other than the pandemic year, the Chiefs-Bucks game, that I didn't go to because PFT Live was launching, moving from 12-3 to 3 
a.m. or twelve to three, noon to three Eastern. Uh, it was moving to six to nine the next day. Oh wow! And it's like, wait a minute, how am I gonna how am I gonna pull this off? Yeah. in California, right? I'm gonna do three to six a.m. at some radio studio in California, and it was on NBCSN for an hour, I think, at the time. So it's like I just can't can't get there from here. Can't do it. So didn't go to that game. Ended up being a pretty good Super Bowl. It was. So a good I'm looking Super Bowl. forward to it. Yeah. We've got Las Vegas, then we've got New Orleans, then we've got San Francisco, Santa Clara, Bay Area, the next three. And then and then for 61, like L.A. recently said, hey, we want that one. But I saw a report over the weekend in the Palm Beach Post that Miami they want was the it, one right? that was supposed to get it. Right. And now L.A.'s involved, and they've gotten away from this whole competition thing where cities bid against each other because you'd always have multiple pissed-off cities when it was all said and done. So they just moved from city to city saying – Here's what it takes to be the host of this Super Bowl. Do you want it? Right. So it makes me wonder, is something going wrong with Miami's bid that all of a sudden L.A. is involved? So it looks like it's going to be L.A. or Miami for Super Bowl 61. And they're usually set farther into the future. It's just yeah. kind of weird yeah. that we only had two that we knew about until yesterday. No, you're right. I mean, I, I mean what are we – the old days, I feel like we knew, what, four or five years at least in advance of where the Super Bowls were coming. Um, but – you know, either way, we got some good options now. We really do, and, and um, I would expect San Francisco and and that, that to be a regular part of the rotation. Maybe it's not quite as in it as much as New Orleans and Miami and L.A., but still, you know, the weather's good that time of the year. I can remember being there that day. It was a comfortable like seventy degree, sixty eight degree day. It was perfect for football viewing and, you know, in, in a stadium. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes. But uh, I think it'll, it'll be a good event for sure. I'm going to deviate from the topic for a second because I thought of something. What? As we were talking about knowing Super Bowls that far in advance. You know, and like we know, like Olympics multiple years in advance. Do you remember any time in your life where you had that moment where you become aware of, like, years into the future like you think for the first time years out i i know exactly where i was when i first had that flicker in my brain because when you're a kid you're just caught up in today yeah right or, or or christmas or my birthday like you don't think years into the future i remember standing in the kitchen of the house i grew up in and my mom and i were having a conversation and i must have been 10 or 11 years old so it would have been 75 76 and she starts doing the math and she tells me i'm going to graduate from high school in 1983 and it blew my freaking mind <laughs> i mean i was like 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 this and that was 40 damn years ago now but i i just i remember for the first time my brain opening up to this idea that life isn't just you know as 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 bruce springsteen would say homework Church, green beans, homework, church, green beans, green beans, green beans, effing green beans. I mean, it, it's just like you're living your day in and day out life, and all of a sudden you think future. I don't know. I'm sorry to waste well, what ended well, up being Well, what I'm putting together future. is what, what do you think? But thinking? I wasn't aware thinking? of that. Well, I, okay, I hear you. I mean, yeah, I, I can't know. I don't know right off the top of my head if I can remember that moment where it hit me, but I'm like, as I'm psychoanalyzing you right now, what are you? What are you worried about? You're worried about at Super Bowl sixty. You're going to be sixty years old, and you're thinking about that. You're going, damn, I'm oh, going to be sixty. I'm 60. not thinking about that. No, no, I'm, no, no. Okay. I'm thinking about Super Bowl eighty. Uh, <laughs> but, but it just—it was the first time in my life that I was aware of this concept of thinking about years into the future. Like when you're a kid, you just don't. 
you don't think about that. You think about now. You think about today. You think about tomorrow. If you've got a test, you think about the weekend. You think about whatever's coming up. Anyway, it just... I thought of that when you mentioned we used to know five years out. Because I can remember those times, whether it was the Olympics. Oh, 84 is going to be in Los Angeles. Right. That's a long time away. Yeah. 88 is going to be in, in wherever Seoul. it was that year. Seoul. Calgary? I think Seoul. It was Seoul. 88? Yeah. Yeah. 88? Yeah, Seoul. It was right. in Seoul. Right. Uh, the Ben Johnson year. Oh, right. that's, a long, that's a long way away. I mean, all these things that throughout the course of your life seem like a long way away. Ain't that, ain't that long. No, they come fast. <laughs> ain't that long. So, bottom line, we're all going to die. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, oh, wait, wait. Before we do that, before we do that, we have a shorter, we have a shorter term future event to discuss. We knew that the draft was going to be next year in Detroit. The following year, 2025, it's been awarded to Green Bay. The biggest event ever in Green Bay. They're expecting 250,000 people to be in Green Bay. Now, I may have to go to that one. What are they going to do? Are they going to do that at the, the stadium, you Packers think? fans by then. I may have to go. Yeah. I don't, where else would you do it in Green uh, Bay? I know, right. I don't know. That's why, that's why I was asking. I was like, I don't know if there's another spot that could hold it. But, yeah, that seems like this would be one that's at the stadium, right, which could – you know, be a, certainly a different look. Will they do it in the stadium? Uh, I'm interested to see what, what Green Bay is going to throw out here for the draft. Well, and, and that's the thing. Every city now is in play for this because it happens in the spring. It's a rotation that can be much more robust than the Super Bowl, and everybody's going to want it. Charlotte's trying to get in line for 2026. I think every city wants it, and why, why wouldn't every city get it at some point? It's a big event. And it's it's just amazing how it just kind of accidentally happened a decade ago. They moved this thing from town to town. It really is a show about nothing. It doesn't have to be anywhere. It can be everywhere, and it's going to draw out tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of fans. All right, now we can take a break. When we return, a rule change from yesterday that hopefully will avoid the debacle that we saw in the NFC Championship when the 49ers were fresh out of quarterbacks. We'll discuss that next here on this Tuesday edition of PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Yeah, I'd definitely be in favor of it. 
We were scared to death when that rule ended, whatever many years ago that was. Um, but we kind of forget about it since you just don't see anyone have to go through it. But then you get reminded of how quickly a football game's over once that happens. So I think that would be a very smart thing to have. I think it'd be good for football. You know, we, you're always trying to develop these guys, but you're always weighing that carrying three as opposed to the roster value of being able to um, <clears throat> host a full complement of, of position players at different positions. So uh, I think if the league just kind of gave you a, an out there, everybody would forced, uh, be forced to do it. You got more people in camps improving. I think it'd be good for football. Interesting choice of words from 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan, who spoke before GM John Lynch about the rule went away, the third quarterback rule went away, the emergency quarterback rule that used to be on the books. Well, it didn't really go away. Here's what happened. It used to be that you had a 45-man game day roster, and you could dress a 46th man who was a quarterback who could only enter the game if the first two quarterbacks were injured through quarters one, two, and three. As of quarter four... The third quarterback could enter and exit the game freely. That was the rule. The 46th man was the emergency third quarterback. So what happened was at some point, someone got the bright idea, Chris, to just say, let's just make the rosters 46. And then we can put whoever we want in uniform that day. If we want a third quarterback, we do a third quarterback and he can enter whenever we want him to enter. Or we can do an extra offensive lineman or an extra receiver, or an extra whatever. We don't have to do a quarterback. But if you only do two quarterbacks, you're assuming the risk that if lightning strikes twice, you're SOL when it comes to your quarterback position. So it's almost as if the NFL teams need a specific third quarterback rule to protect them from themselves. Because if you just give them another roster spot, they're going to roll the dice on not losing both quarterbacks. They are. They're going to play those numbers. You're right. They're going to go, wait, well, it's rare that two quarterbacks get hurt. It's happened, you know, it happened once in the last 10 years, whatever. I mean, they're going to look at it that way. Exactly. And then with the rules and what happened too, to, to add on to what you're saying, cause you're spot on. It didn't just go away. The, yeah, you're right. The teams and coaches started to finagle it and that, that pushed it away. Right. But, but you know, uh, uh man, I was going to go somewhere with that comment and I totally forgot where I was going. Uh, don't know, but I'll get back to it. But either way, what, 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 what <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> No, I don't know what the hell I was going to say there. I had somewhere I was going with that, and I lost it. Uh, but 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 no, here either way, I want to get something. I want to maybe it'll come back to you. Well, unless I want, you got something else. I want to get to the to a, to another point unless here. I, I'm well, I'm totally flustered now. I really am. But no, nobody wants to see what we saw there, right? And you're right. Teams finagled it, did what they want to do. But what I want to say is, why have any of this? What? Why? Like, just have three quarterbacks. Why do we haven't even have a rule of two are injured or one? Just let's have three. When nobody wants to see what happened in that NFC Championship game, it was bad football. It was a bad product to put out there in the day where we're going to watch football more than any other day, other than the Super Bowl. So. I'm glad they got this fixed, but uh, yeah, sorry, I forgot what the hell I was going to say there. Getting old. And here's how the rule works. Yes, you are. The player has to be on the 53-man roster, can't be called up from the practice squad, so you have to be carrying three quarterbacks on your 53-man squad. In the past, there are teams that don't carry three. They carry the third guy on the practice squad. You're not going to be able to use the emergency quarterback on game day 
if you don't have a third quarterback on your 53-man roster. And I know guys like Mike McCarthy have said in the past, we don't carry, at least in Green Bay he didn't. I don't know what he does in Dallas without looking it up. We don't carry a third quarterback because if you lose your first two, you're screwed anyway. And that's the other side of this. Even if you have a third quarterback in uniform, is he really going to make a difference on game day? You're getting down to your third guy. No, You're getting down to the be guys tough. between number 64 and 96 sure. on the Chris Sims top 40 quarterback ranking that yeah. would extend all the way to 100. You're getting to Blake Bortles territory, <laughs> the 70th best quarterback in football. I mean, so, but at least it's a quarterback. That's the key. This is more for protection of the game than protection of any team because – if the 49ers had had a third quarterback that day, if they had chosen to use their final roster spot on a quarterback and they had somebody yeah. instead of Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson when they were both injured, would it have really mattered? Would it have really mattered? Would that guy have come in and been Clint Longley against Washington on Thanksgiving Day in 1974? I mean, I guess there's a chance, but uh, well, and, and well, there's more of a chance than if you have no one. Yes, more of a chance. I don't know, you know, again, chance to win the game? Okay, no, maybe not. But like you said, via text, as we were watching this with the backup in at that point, and they were, again, even with Josh Johnson in, it wasn't like they were throwing the ball around the lot. We started to go, damn, are they going to keep this close? Are they just somehow going to stay in this football game, even with him? And I think a great team like the 49ers and the Shanahan and the way he coaches and all that, that, yeah, not not saying they would have won the game, but if they had a third quarterback where the passing game was actual an option, like, whoa, we actually do have to defend it on, you know, first down or whatever, I think it would have been still a better viewing experience than what we saw. You would have had at least, like, hey, it's in here. Hey, we're, we're in the fourth quarter, and, yeah, the 49ers are down 8 or 10, but it's still a game, a pick six or a fumble that something can happen. We got into a territory late in the third quarter where we were like, uh, this is like preseason football. This is, I can't believe this is to go to the Super Bowl right here. And I think that's where the third quarterback can, can protect the, the league that way. One thing I always look for when they make changes like this is opportunities for shenanigans or chicanery. And there's one aspect of this that caught my attention. Yeah. The third quarterback can play only if the other two are injured or ejected. And if one of the injured quarterbacks is cleared to return, the third quarterback must go. Now, it used to be if the third quarterback entered at any point before the end of the third quarter, the other two just couldn't come back at all. And in the fourth quarter, any of the three quarterbacks could play. This time around, it is the third quarterback can only play unless and until one of the other two gets cleared to return. And it makes me wonder. Why? Why have wonder. this rule? That's what I, the first thing I want to say. Well, well I'm, and again, I always, I always – Apply the Belichick mindset. Okay. How do you find a way to use the rules aggressively in your favor? What if there's a day that quarterback one gets injured, quarterback two gets banged up? Right. Okay. But maybe quarterback two could come back. Exactly. And quarterback three comes in and lights it up. What are they doing to quarterback two on the sideline to make sure – he is or isn't able to play. When does the medical advice become, nah, nah, his arm's broken, even if it isn't? Or, boy, they're taking a long time 
running Jimmy through the concussion Yeah, protocol. right. It's been an but hour and a half. Three Meanwhile, the other guy's 10 for 10. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Let's yeah. check his brain I, so one more time, guys. Yeah. That's the one donut hole I noticed where you could have an aggressive, creative coach like Bill Belichick take advantage of it, and you can have a doctor in a tough spot. Usually, the pressure is on the doctor to get a guy back on the field. This would be that one rare circumstance, and we know how hectic it gets in real time, the fog of war and guys slipping past doctors to go back on the field like Russell Wilson did. If they really want to tap the brakes on this, could could you? I mean, is it ridiculous to envision the coach saying, I don't care what happens, QB3 is staying out there? I, I mean, no, it's, it's not crazy. I have a, a that, the, well, it goes into the broader thing. Of what, what's the point of this rule? That, that's what I don't get. Like, what, what is the point of this rule? Why have it there? Here's the where I go with it, Mike, in my brain. All right, quarterback one gets hurt. Now quarterback two is getting, he's playing, he's banged up, right? Oh, no, it's a high ankle sprain. Oh, no, it's like like the one Mahomes had in the in the divisional game. It's kind of that, you know. Man, we'd like to take him out. He's hurt and let evaluate him. But we can't because if we put the third stringer in, now he can't come back. So we're going to let him stay out there and suffer because of some stupid well, no, freaking rule. No, no. But well, no, if he's cleared, he can come back. The third okay, quarterback plays sure. until okay, one okay. of the other two but, are clear. But my point, okay, but my point is he might end up they might end up keeping him out there longer and keeping him out there to play because they're afraid, wait, well, he might not get cleared back. We don't know what he's going to be. So, hey, right. Jimmy, just sit out there. Your ankle might be broken, but we don't, we're not sure, and we don't know, so just keep sucking it up because we don't want to play the third stringer. That, that's all I'm trying to say, and I, there's probably more unintended consequences here that I'm not thinking about, and i got to let this you know, percolate in my brain a little bit. But to me, that's where I just I come to this rule and go, why? What, what, what do we put language in here with something that like this? I don't even get it. I agree with you. The third quarterback should be able to enter the game whenever they want. It should right. just be. I mean, what, who cares? Exactly. Who cares? Who cares? You have a third quarterback. Everybody, if you have a third quarterback on your 53-man roster, you can dress your third quarterback, period. We shouldn't have to worry about these stupid little ifs and buts and crap. And Just put him in if you want to put him in. If, the, if, if it's not injury-related, if the first two just suck, Put the third one in. Do whatever you have to do to try to shake things up and make the game interesting. Just make it a straight third quarterback. I think we agree on that. Yeah, right. My concern is, and my hope is, that somebody doesn't get the bright idea five years from now, hey, let's just give us an extra guy on the roster and let, let us use whoever we want because we don't use the third quarterback very often. So let's just have another offensive yeah. lineman, and then we end up right back where we were. Yeah, that, I think that's where I was going before when I had my blank out. It's just that, yeah, the, the coaches started to not do it because they went, wait, the, 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 the rules to hit the quarterback, two guys aren't going to get hurt. You can barely touch the quarterback anymore. So people felt comfortable rolling the dice because of exactly what you're saying there so yeah hopefully that doesn't happen one other thing the nfl uh will not be voting on the proposed fourth and 20 onside kick alternative that thing just kind of hangs around and hangs around and hangs around like a relative that won't leave but you you don't you, they're not like they don't feel sufficiently compelled to ask the relative to leave it just hangs around and hangs around and they won't vote on it because they don't want to vote it down but they still are are pondering it. So it's it's going to hover over the sport, but no vote this year. So we'll have the conversation again next year about whether or not a team that's trailing can use a fourth and 20 play 
as an opportunity to hold possession and try to make the game even closer when they're down multiple scores. So won't be this year, could be next year, could be the next year, could be the next year. I have a feeling we'll be talking about it every year until it finally does happen. Let's take a break. There has been another Captain Andrew Luck sighting. One more item from that craziness that bubbled up a couple of weeks ago with the commanders allegedly tampering with the retired quarterback. We'll discuss that next on PFT Live. Well, I, I know that it, uh, uh, if you, by any definition I said standard, it sounds like a long process. And, uh, uh, but uh, uh, this is a significant thing for everybody involved, certainly the fans of Washington. And so uh, uh, I think uh, uh, doing it right and uh, uh, having people of this caliber that are involved is worth the wait. High-caliber people involved and Jerry Jones expressing confidence that the deal will get done that will transfer the commanders to Josh Harris. Jim Ursay, member of the Finance Committee, owner of the Colts, not quite as optimistic as Jerry. Said Ursay, there's certain criteria that has to be met. It's not there. It doesn't mean it can't get there. It's complicated. You hope it gets done, but there's more more work to be done at this point. To have a new ownership group in there before the season opener, that would be a goal. It's tough because it has to comply. The Waltons complied. David Tepper complied. Everyone knew the rules up front. We wouldn't change the rules now. We thought long and hard about where the rules are at this point, and they're there for a reason. And kudos to Jim Irsay for holding that rope because my concern has been this desire to get rid of Dan Snyder is going to get owners to look the other way on some of these rules, and Commanders fans are going to end up with an owner who maybe doesn't have the financial wherewithal to run the team the right way. If you're glossing over structural aspects, do you have the cash on hand to go out and get free agents, to win the jump balls for free agents, to throw in a little extra money? Can you structure your contract offer in a way that pays all the money right now? Or do you need to wait until the start of the season like other owners need to do? Those are real concerns. And if you're glossing over rules to get a deal approved, you may not have the best possible owner. I think ideally... Every team would be owned by somebody who can just write the check and buy the team, but there are fewer and fewer people who can do that, Chris. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, I, it, it's I, I do. I, I give Ursay a lot of credit too. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I kind of just took this as, as this was you know done, slam dunk in the bag. Like it's it's going to be sold to Josh Harris. He he makes you think a little differently. Certainly, you know. I, I don't know, Mike. I mean, do, do you think that? It's a thing that definitely gets done here, or it's just they're going to figure out some of these details. Is he going to have to find out, find some more cash to, you know, appease them or appeal to them? What, what, what goes down here? One of the big issues is the number of limited partners. Although they are not yet at the maximum, there are enough that have to be properly vetted because you don't want to have somebody that's welcomed into ownership that you later find out yeah. shouldn't have been approved. Right. So that adds to the workload. Then there's the issue of debt. See, what you have to do to own a team under current rules, you've got to be able to buy 30% of it without debt. You have to have the cash to buy 30% of the team. So $6.05 billion, do the math. What is that? That's $1.8 billion. You need to write the check for for $6.05. I think that's yeah, right. Pretty close. Yeah, you're right. You've got to be able to write that check without debt. And then there's a debt limit in a transaction like this of $1.1 billion. And there were concerns about whether or not they are, as a practical matter, 
going above that debt limit. There's a question of debt from Josh Harris being secured by other businesses he owns, which is something they don't do. So there's a lot of stuff that just needs to be ironed out. And the problem is they're so desperate to get rid of Dan Snyder that they may be inclined to soften some of these rules and to look the other way and to not insist that the deal comply with the way things are always done in order to ensure that it's somebody who truly has the financial standing to be a member of club oligarch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's, 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 it's kind of amazing. You're right. And I mean, I, I wouldn't think the NFL wants to risk, you know, a pretty awesome business model just to, just to get Daniel Snyder out of here. And then what, maybe, open up Pandora's box to, to more problems later down the road and, and have more issues with the commanders. So I would think, you know, like Jim Mercer said, there's more work to be done. They'll get this right and get the situation where the NFL wants it to. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, interesting. And, and interesting that he had the guts to kind of say that because I, I felt like I hadn't heard, them, heard anything like that until he said it. And one other thing to keep an eye on, we haven't talked about it here recently, the Brian Davis bid that always felt kind of phony from the get-go, that this is somebody who didn't even come close to having the kind of money necessary to buy a team. A lawsuit was filed by his company last week against Bank of America, which is responsible for putting this deal together. And that could be the first step. Could be. Could be. Time will tell whether that's the first step in a broader attack on the entire structure of rules that the NFL has for selling and buying teams, because the argument would be it's all one big antitrust violation. These are private businesses. People should be able to buy and sell them however they see fit. No trade association should be allowed to put rules and regulations on how a deal is structured. If you want to sell a business, you should be able to sell it. And if somebody wants to buy a business, they should be able to buy it however and wherever they get their money from. So keep an eye on that. All right. Andrew Luck. Captain Andrew Luck is back. The tampering thing that popped up a few weeks ago when Jim Ursay tweeted a warning to anyone who would try to contact the retired Colts quarterback. If you do it, it's a violation of the tampering policy. Now, my personal belief, and we've talked about this, the Jonathan Gannon tampering resolution between the Cardinals and Eagles created an incentive for teams to cry foul because maybe I can accuse someone of tampering and now I can come out of it with higher draft standing the next time around because that's what happened as a result of the Gannon tampering by the Cardinals against the Eagles. This is all done now. This is dead. This is over. This is going nowhere. And Chris, I think it's as simple as the NFL telling Ursay and everybody else, sorry, the Gannon thing is not a new precedent. It's not a new pathway to getting draft picks. It doesn't create an incentive for you to claim that someone was tampering. It was just the way we handled one specific situation. It does not apply going forward. I think that's how the Andrew Luck tampering question was resolved yeah I, I don't doubt that or at least that like hey the Andrew Luck thing wasn't nearly as aggressive and as many rules broken as the Arizona thing you know that the, the Andrew Luck thing I envision again that it's like somebody called representation like hey do you think he'd come back and play oh no okay boom I mean I, but you know I, I really think it could have been as simple as that it's just a gauge like hey we're looking at options of quarterback we're going to gauge your interest if you still want to play Right, so it's not nearly as aggressive. I think you and I think there was a lot still more. tampering. I know, still tampering. Still tampering. I know, right. I know, still- I know. Um, but it, it still seems like you know that's the kind of tampering we know that goes on all the time. The other one, I think we both get the feeling that there was more done behind the scenes, and it took away from the biggest game of the year because there was you know severe tampering going on there as well. So uh, I, I don't know, a little bit of both, I guess, is what I'm saying, Mike. That I think went on there. 
And look, it was strange because on Sunday night, the Washington Post reported there likely wouldn't be enough evidence to do anything. And then by Monday, ESPN reported it's been resolved to the Colts' satisfaction. So did they really investigate it? It wouldn't be all that difficult to come up with a strategy and an approach to get to the bottom of whether or not there was a call made to Andrew Luck or his dad, Oliver, or his uncle slash agent or someone else during this time that the commanders were looking high and low for a new quarterback. You look at the phone records, you look at the text messages, you look at the emails. It would take some time to do it, but it wouldn't be that hard to do it if you really wanted to. I think the NFL just didn't want to do it. They don't like doing this. They rarely enforce the tampering rules. I think that they're concerned big picture about the world becoming aware that there's a, a plenty of cheating and corruption happening on a regular basis by the NFL's teams, especially when it comes to tampering. All right. Um, the only bad news about the end of the bad news tampering. Story. We get to hear from the, the great one. <laughs> no, but this is the last time we'll hear from him. Until <laughs> we the think next time. <laughs> right. Because captain Andrew Luck is back. I yield the floor. To oh, thank you very much, Michael Florio. Thank you. Dearest mother, my beard has been tapered but not tampered. Thusly, I shall resume my quiet days in my Appalachian cabin, reading to the birds. A basket with spiced beaver thighs and fresh squirrel oil is on the way. T'was lovely to correspond once more. I love you, Andrew. What up, Andrew? I'll miss you. Know, you know, it's funny. You decided about halfway through that the voice wasn't working, so you just went back to your own voice. I had to get, well, I had to get back to it. it. I was a little back. too much. Yeah, I was a little too much again. at first. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I lost my lost my touch there. I'm not as I'm not a well oiled machine with my Captain Andrew Luck since we don't get to do it as much anymore. Well, you, you need some squirrel oil. I know. I gotta that's, get some squirrel oil. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Wait, I gotta tell you this thighs. story. Why we're on squirrel oil? Okay, squirrel oil. I'm gonna bring this up and embarrass my dad and his family from Kentucky here. Okay, it's a real Kentucky, West Virginia type story. All right, but I this story was being told not long ago, so it's in my brain. My dad, early days in his NFL career, right, married to my mom. Right, the, my mom's from New Jersey. She she grew up in the same area I grew up in. So they're dating and, you know, hey, my dad's mom comes to town and she brought like what she thought was like, hey, let me bring an old meal from home that you might like. She brought squirrel on the plane, right? I don't know. I don't know how much they ate squirrel growing up in the Sims household. Either way, it doesn't sound good. Um, but she brought it. I think she also. Where did she get it? I don't Where know. Where did she get squirrel? Knowing Grandma Sims, she might have gone out there and wrangled that thing and ripped its head off by herself, knowing her. She's a tough SOB, but I don't know what she did, right? But they got it. She travels there. I think she also does it because it's like she knows it's going to make her new daughter-in-law a little squeamish, and you know she wants to keep her on her toes with the with her son and all that. But either way, my dad appeases uh, my grandmother and eats it for the first time or whatever. And, you know, my, my mom still tells the story about how grossed out she was. And to the kicker on it, dad eats it, and he got sick for like three days eating it. So that's the last time he ate squirrel. But, ugh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> the ultimate test. The ultimate test. Uh, Have to, you had squirrel prove- before? No, I've never had squirrel. Okay, I mean, me neither. I mean, I, I know, but I didn't. I didn't know you're from West squirrel, Virginia. Rabbit, I thought snake. maybe. I thought maybe. You know, I don't know. Have I ever said or done anything 
to suggest to you that just because I live here, I like have a jug that I blow in and a banjo that I play. Have I ever, have I ever given you that impression? No, you're right. You not that there's anything wrong with blowing in a jug or playing a banjo. Yeah, That's just not, not the kind of West do. Virginian I am. Yeah, I got you. I got you. You're right. I know. I didn't know. Maybe if you had some eating habits like that, you know, frog legs, things like that. Those are things I learned, uh, learned about in my days down in the South. Unless some squirrel made its way into the pepperoni on the pizza I had last night. No, no squirrel for me. All right. That's Although, gross. who knows? Who knows? If you spice it up uh, enough, you can make pepperoni out of anything. All right. We'll take a break. Uh, Austin Eckler wanted something, and he got it from the L.A. Chargers. We'll talk about that next here on PFT Live. Chargers running back Austin Eckler got permission to seek a trade earlier in the offseason, and he found out that no one wanted to trade for him and give him the contract he wants. He reportedly is getting incentives added to his contract worth up to $2 million, close to $2 million in incentives. He'll be a free agent after the season. No word on whether or not they've sacrificed their ability to use the franchise tag. That would get him eight figures for one more year. Bottom line, older running back, wear and tear, mileage it's hard to get a team to make that big investment and even when they do they're just a couple of years away from thinking do we tear up the contract like the vikings are currently thinking with dalvin cook right yeah i mean i and i think he's at the point of his career where he doesn't have to worry about the franchise tag thing i don't think that's going to happen no matter what right so you know it's good i'm glad to see they did something and came to some sort of resolution i mean eckler and the chargers seem simpatico that way I just I I don't know what he'd look like in another uniform. He's been such a big part of their culture and what they do on the field, and of course has a great role in catching the ball and being that dual threat running back. I mean, he's a hell of a football player. But you and I both know he's not a superstar. He's not one of the five best running backs in the game. He's smaller. He's been there for a while, and that's what lead, you know been in the NFL for a while. So that's what leads to a lack of a market. You know, I wonder what the incentives are, right? You know, that's the one thing I do question, too. Uh, I'd love to know that. I don't know if we will find that out because we know, too, like, hey, running the ball, sure, but he's really made his way catching the ball. That's where he gets a lot of his stats, and I wonder how much that will change this year with the new offensive coordinator and Kellen Moore. I don't think it will be as running back friendly in the pass game. It's what got Joe Lombardi fired. Exactly. Getting the ball to Austin Eckler exactly. too much not getting it down the field. Right. All right. We need to break. We need to break. We promised a draft inspired by Nikola Jokic. I think we got it right that time. Yeah, if you didn't. You did it. Way to go. Apologize. NFL players who most need to get to the Super Bowl for the first time in honor of Jokic getting to the NBA Finals for the first time. We'll do that draft next here on PF2. In honor of two-time NBA MVP Nikola Jokic making it to his first-ever NBA Finals, carrying the Nuggets there for the first time in their 47-year history, we draft NFL players who need to get to the Super Bowl for the first time in their careers. Chris, you're up. La, 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 Lamar Jackson. That's who I'll go with. Hey, we started the show talking about him. We might as well end the show talking about him. I mean, we, we know for all the reasons. Hey, it's quarterbacks. You're measured about measured upon the, the the Super Bowls you get to. 
how you play in them, if you win, all that. I think that'll do a long way to shut up the haters of Lamar Jackson in the world, right? You know, that, that's the big thing. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, I think it's crazy. People talk about, you know, Jalen Hurts in a higher regard than, than Lamar Jackson. And, and I think part of that is just because he went to the Super Bowl. And I'd go, no, but damn, I mean, Lamar is a better player. He's awesome. And, you know, for whatever reason, people still throw out that, oh, all that money to a running back type of guy. I see that on the social media all the time. It drives me crazy. So, Lamar Jackson. I'll go to Josh Allen. Now, I like Lamar Jackson because he's an MVP. He's the only MVP who hasn't been to a Super Bowl who's currently in the NFL. So, it fits with Jokic. Josh Allen has not won an MVP yet. Maybe he will but he definitely needs to get to a Super Bowl. Five years in, he's seen Mahomes do it three times. He's seen Burrow do it once. He needs to get there himself. Yeah, uh, agreed, agreed. It's, it's, he's, uh, to me, him and Lamar are the two guys right now you look at to go, man, you know, as a fan, you sit there and go, oh, there's some urgency. Those two need to get there, right? I think those are clearly the top two guys. Now, the other guy I'll throw in, dear, who I don't think he's as the caliber player as the two guys we talked about, but, man, there's a lot of pressure on him and the situation of the team is Dak Prescott. I think that's the next one I'd go to there. You know, talk about just, hey, what getting to the game can do to change the perspective, get people off his back, get people to buy in, whatever. You know, people are all over the place with Dak Prescott. Yeah, he's not one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the game, but he's damn good, and you can get to a Super Bowl with him. Yeah, I, I hate I hate to say Kirk Cousins. Hey, Kirk Cousins because I really don't think he's got a chance to do it this year. He doesn't fall in that category of teams that I think have a chance to do it. But he's been hanging around. He's been making a lot of money. He's never gotten to an NFC Championship game, just like Dak. But yeah, he needs he needs to get there, especially for him. Think of how it would change the narrative on his career if he could get to just one, Chris. Just yeah, one. Agreed. No, we it would, it view would him be very differently. It would. It would, totally, it would change I would everything love about him, him. Not love him. Not. <laughs> yeah, until he threw an interception he'll in the do game it. and hey, he win the Super Bowl. <laughs> he'll, he'll he'll do it when he's on the 49ers. Let's take a break. Uh, one more round when PFT Live returns right after this. All right, one more round in the draft of the players most in need of reaching their first ever career Super Bowl. One more pick each. Chris, who do you have? Well, you know, I'm going to go and off the, the board here a little bit. I know we can pick quarterbacks and all that. How about this one? I'm going to go with Calais Campbell. All right? Calais Campbell. Like, wow. Right? I don't know. It's, it's, it, to me, that would solidify him in the, the Hall of Fame. For sure. I think he already is a Hall of Fame type of guy, but I'm going to just throw him out there because of the great career he's had. He's been one of the best defensive linemen there is. He's never been to a Super Bowl, and I don't want to pick another quarterback because we always pick quarterbacks. I'll see your Calais Campbell, and I'll raise you a Miles Garrett. <laughs> okay, I like that? it. I thought about We've him too. To- the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.